Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. I was curious, the reaction on Twitter as Dave Roberts took Clayton Kershaw out after seven perfect innings, what the reaction would be locally in Los Angeles as opposed to nationally. Because nationally, everybody's like, you can't take him out. But, you know, if you're not a Dodger fan, all you want to do is see a perfect game. But if you're a Dodger fan, you probably think, we'd like to have Kershaw the entire season. I want to have him in October, not in April. And if that means I don't see a perfect game. Now, Fritzy brought up an interesting element to this. Yep. See why, you know? I know. I know. That's what we're wondering. Yeah, why? (laughs) If this would have been a home game, how difficult would that be as Dave Roberts went out there to take out Clayton Kershaw? Because I think that's a fair point. If it was at home, would there have been a little bit more pressure on him to keep him out there? But I think there's there's an outrage by national baseball fans. I don't know if there's outrage by local baseball fans. All right, so Seton, we have the poll question up. Yeah, we sure do, Dan. Uh, still giggling about it. <laughs> just, Todd brought up something interesting. Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> it's like a, a tick of mine. My left hand just juts out to the... That's so funny. Right now, Dan, uh, pulling Clayton Kershaw was uh, 70% more soft than smart. Wow. Yeah. Intelligence runs in the family. Innovation runs in the family. Extraordinary runs in the family. The 2022 Mercedes-Benz range of SUVs. Every member is waiting to impress. Learn more at MBUSA.com. I was strolling through the the Internet, looking at websites, and all of a sudden I saw this article. It said that uh, Laker players were texting during a game. 
And then I saw the byline is by my good buddy, a uh, former uh, teammate of mine in college, Steve Bullpit, the uh, senior NBA columnist for Heavy.com. Spent a lot of years covering the Celtics for the Boston Herald. And uh, Bullpit joins us on the program. Steve, good to see you again. How did, uh, how did you come about the texting on the bench with the Lakers? It wasn't on the bench, Daniel. It was uh, halftime, if you read the story i'm not sure if you took the reading comprehension class at uv <laughs> uh yeah no seriously it was it was at halftime and um you know basically talking to a bunch of gms and people around the league as you do regularly to, for the job and this stuff started to come out and it just really looks like it was a mess out there okay but do we know who was texting uh is lebron in on this it, it, it kind of felt like in the article you're talking about the the disrespect that not only you know, it felt like the front office had disrespect for Frank Vogel, that the right. players liked him, but here they are, you know, texting during halftime. Yeah. Well, I know at least, I know definitely one of the people who was texting, um, but it, uh, yeah, I can't say who it was, but yeah, definitely I know one. And that person said that uh, he wasn't, uh, according to the quote, wasn't the only MFer texting at the time. Cleaned it up for you, bud. But, you know, now, do you think stories are going to come out now because Vogel's gone and maybe there was more to what was going on behind the scenes? Well, actually, the the story about the texting uh, was brought to me like a while back, but we were developing, trying to develop it. Uh, but, yeah, no, there was this stuff was going on for a while. And, and I point out this was this incident or, you know, uh, the incident that this points to the, of the situation it points to actually occurred when they were, you know, months ago when they were still, you know, thought to be a team that, Hey, this team's going to be good. And when it gets its stuff together. Um, so this wasn't one of these things like the last couple of weeks, you know, as, uh, as the ship's taking on water, this was back when they were supposed to be good. You also mentioned that uh, Kirk Rambis would air out Frank Vogel in front of the team. How often was yeah. that happening? I'm not sure how often, but it was certainly, you know, it wasn't uncommon, um, as, as I was told. And again, this is something that's like, you know, you know the deal in the business. If, if someone tells you something, it's like, okay, do I trust this person? But then you've got to talk to other people as well. So, you know, hearing that from multiple people um, and everything in the in the story was, you know, uh, other people knew it as well. So it wasn't like a, 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 a quiet thing or something that was hidden. Why do you think there was a disconnect between Russell Westbrook and Frank Vogel? You know, I'm not sure. Um, but it, you know, look, when you, when you bring guys onto a team, um, they, they can't be everything that they were perhaps individually. You know, let's look back at the 2007, 2008 Celtics when they bring, uh, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett to join Paul Pierce, every one of them talked about what they were going to have to subjugate in their own game to make the whole thing work. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, you, you can look at it. I, and I seriously, the whole way along until it was clear that they were out of this thing, I thought if this, uh, if this team gets healthy, they could be a, a problem for someone. But uh, they probably never had enough time healthy together. But uh, it just it just seemed like guys were trying to be who they were uh, individually or trying to get the, the, the most out of themselves, figuring that would help the team best that way. 
And I don't think they ever latched on to an idea of what's going to be good for, you know, for the whole here. The ideal coach for the Lakers would be who, in your opinion? Uh, um, I, it's weird because I, I think the, the ideal coach has got to be someone that has some control with the front office. Because I think that's where the problems are stemming. Um, you know, you, you've got to create a roster that's going to work. Not just like as someone pointed out in the story, you know, not just uh, rotisserie baseball here, rotisserie basketball. So, you know, um, I hesitate with some of the names that have been mentioned, but, um, you know, I, I, I think I don't think any self-respecting coach would get anywhere near this until the problems upstairs are, are cleared out or cleared up. Yeah, but how are they going to be cleared up or cleared out? Well, um, so, I don't know. Someone's got to – the, the coach you hire has some control there. That would help. Or if you bring in someone, um, you know, that uh, a stronger a stronger GM that has an idea of, of team building, you know, or the people that are there all of a sudden change their tack and, you know, figure out, like, what's going what's gonna to make us here. Because if you, if you look at them now, Daniel, the, the – the contracts that you're weighed down with and the draft picks that you don't have that you can't use to as, as assets to, to spend in the market. That's a hard, hard situation to see anyone digging themselves out of. Phil Jackson's not walking through that door. Is he, you know, I have too much respect for Phil's intelligence to (laughs) think he'd do that. Well, he did go to the Knicks, Steve. Well, you know, someone throws a whole bag of money at you. <laughs> do you think that they would at least do a drive-by with Phil Jackson? Uh, yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I'm sorry, can I divert here for a second? It's funny you mentioned the term drive-by and Phil. There is this little dive bar out in Playa del Rey that uh, a close friend of mine who passed away, Frank Hamblin, was an assistant coach yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And a bunch of people would hang out at this place, a really small, you know, small bar. And uh, Phil lived nearby. And sometimes Phil would drive by the place on his way home slowly, make sure he got someone's attention in the window and flip the bird. And that was known in the bar as a Phil Jackson drive-by. What? Who's he flipping off? Just... As a joke, it was basically like, you know, <laughs> the people in the bar. So that was like, yeah, did Phil do a drive-by tonight? Yeah, there we go. So you mentioned Phil and drive-by. Yeah. I apologize for veering off uh, <laughs> uh, into Playa del Rey. It, uh, before I let you go, explain to me, Zion Williamson was the best player on the floor and not playing, doing 360s prior to the game. Why is he not playing? Ah. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, you can do something for a few minutes, but can you do it long enough on a court to sustain? And should he be doing three sixties in front of people with cameras there? Cause that just leads us to believe like, why are you not playing? Well, you know, you used to pass the ball in warmups. That's true. Walton gang, but but not during the game. Don't tell me why that never. I know. Well, why throw it to somebody who wasn't as good a shooter as I was? I mean, that's really the philosophy that I had, Steve. My stock line was that uh, Dan had a three-to-one assist ratio, years to assist. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, I'm going to probably piss off your your staff there. You know how good Dan tells you he was? 
He was probably actually a little bit better than that. You carried us, bud. Yeah. Well, you know what? The only way to stop me, Steve, was with a handgun, and league rules frowned upon that. So just letting you know. Hey, yeah, we, did, we, didn't, we didn't have metal detectors at the field. <laughs> no, no, we did not. I was a gunner, absolutely, positively. Uh, yes, Paulie. Yeah, Dan, we don't get this opportunity that often. Steve, if you have any other stories that are passable for national radio or television, <laughs> bring them up. This is it. Uh, there are several. Um, yeah, no, they're, they're, how about the one in Atlanta, Dan, where you were uh, uh, giving a hard time to that intern at that party that night? calling that guy meat and stuff and he went after you no i don't calling some guy meat hey meat (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like you i don't know who i and it was somebody at cnn yeah Um, and i was calling him meat hey meat i think it's probably like a takeoff of the bull durham or something like that yeah and we were at this party outside and this guy decided it so he was a large man uh, a younger man, and he decided uh, he'd, he'd had enough of that. <laughs> and uh, he started to come after you, and we were, you know, I grabbed the guy and pulled him against the side of the house, and, you know, you, know, you, you can't hurt the talent. I uh, explained that to him. <laughs> that it would be bad for his career. Uh, I think I mumbled that to him. But the next day, or uh, the Celtics had played the Hawks that night. The next day, we were flying to the next city, and um, – the trainer on this is back when the Celtics were flying commercial tell you how long ago it was. Uh, and the, uh, the trainer saw my hand, it was kind of gashed and he go, he looked at it and, uh, I think I was probably still buzzed from the previous night, but he said I needed to get stitches when we got to the next city. <laughs> Thank you for taking one for the team. There you go, Daniel. Uh, great to see you bullpit. Thank you. And, uh, good luck, buddy. You as well, sir. I hear you've done pretty well for yourself. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I'm starting to make a carving out a career here. You know, slow. Proud of you, bud. Proud Th- of you. Thank you, Steve. Steve Bolpit, senior NBA columnist for Heavy.com, had the story. And yes, I read the story. I just didn't relay the story correctly there. <sighs> yeah, Bolpit was a uh, a teammate of mine. <laughs> Gritty, gutty. Yeah, he was serviceable. He was like a Greg Kite kind of guy, <laughs> you know. He was white guy at the end of the bench, but uh, I'd occasionally pass it to him. He had him. six fouls to give, right? Yes, he did. Yes, Todd. <laughs> did you get nervous for a second there when Paulie opened the door for him to share some oh, yeah. stories? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was thinking if Bullpit really wanted to share some stories, he could. But uh, he's being a good teammate. Yes, Eden. When you guys um, played together yeah. and the ref made a bad call, did you guys say, oh, man, that's Bullpit? Oh, that would have been the chant, right? Thank you, Todd. Yeah. Thank you, Todd. That one's on the house. Bloop. bloop. Yeah. That's bullpit. <laughs> bullpit. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a good teammate because <laughs> I did love to shoot, you know. And I, But I would say, look, guys, just rebound, play some defense, and I'll bring you a championship. That was it. You know? <laughs> just tell me what time the game is. Yes. That's all I need to know. That's all I care Where about. and when. Oh, I was so obnoxious. I'll bring you a championship. I was so obnoxious on the floor. I was obnoxious. I hated me. You know? It's like, God, you're a jerk. But keep shooting. <laughs> the opposition hated me more. I will say that. <laughs> Dan Patrick Beverly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's go! Yeah, I like that. Four. Four's a lot.
Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. By the way, in June of 1974... The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
for Nolan Ryan through 235 pitches in a game against the Red Sox. He made his next start three days later. He then pitched 19 more years in Major League Baseball. Oh, the good old days. Absolutely. Get off my lawn. Get off my mound. Let's bring in Frank Isola. He covers the NBA. He's one of the stars of Around the Horn. And uh, you can listen to the starting lineup on uh, Sirius XM. He's also the uh, Nets studio host on Yes. Are you uh, a get-off-my-lawn guy, Frank? Are you that old that you're one of those guys? Yes. Okay. I thought you were going to – when men were men, you were going to say when (laughs) they would say (laughs) – but, Dan, isn't it funny, though? All these teams now – all have, you know, performance coaches, the assistant performance coach, and everyone gets hurt more than they ever did. Everyone plays less than they ever did. I don't know. I I guess you could hire me, and I'll tell you, don't pitch or don't play. This way you won't get hurt. I'm a medical genius myself. Help me understand what's going on with Zion Williamson, that he's he's been cleared to play five-on-five. He's in the layup line doing 360s, but he can't play in a game? Why? Yeah, well... I don't know where the expression came, but if I have to hear the expression ramp up or ramping up one more time, I can't take it anymore. Just go out there and play. You know, he did two things, which for me were regrettable. One, you know, there's been a lot of talk about his conditioning. Why he would ever film a commercial drinking a Mountain Dew, sitting on his couch playing video games is a little odd. And now you're not playing in games, but you're doing 360 dunks. I, I, Is there part of him that probably doesn't want to play because he's in line to get a rookie uh, contract extension. That could be part of it. Maybe the Pelicans are thinking at this point, are we really going to beat the Phoenix Suns in the first round? Probably not. So what's the point? They had originally said, if you remember, he would be ready for opening night. Yeah. So here we are. That was in October. It's April. He still isn't playing. But I just think it looks bad. Why work out before the game and go through all this stuff? Just do it after a shoot around. Do your 360 dunks work out. You should be out there playing, but he's not. I don't understand it. I can understand trying to protect him, but if that's, I can't imagine a doctor goes, nope, you're not ready to play in a game, <laughs> but you can go out there and do 360s. That's okay. I don't understand yeah. that logic. But do you well, think you, Zion is going to stay in New Orleans? I, I would guess that he is. I'd be worried about paying him that much because, you know, you look at the stat, how many games he's missed. And to your point about, you know, get off my lawn. You know, you go back to Michael Jordan, his second year with the Chicago Bulls. Remember, he had a foot injury. Yeah, I brought that they, up they recently. Want, yeah. They wanted him to shut it down. I remember in the last dance, he talked about going to Chapel Hill, and he was playing five on five. He came back, and then they were load managing him. He was playing, then missing a game, and he wanted to get into the playoffs. He said, the heck with this. My minutes are going to go up. I'm going to play. They made the playoffs, and I think there is something to be said for that, playing in competitive games that matter. You know, the Pelicans have wanted to get to this point. They want, when they were in the bubble, they wanted to be in the play in tournament. It didn't work out. They're here right now. One win gets you a playoff series against Phoenix. I think there's some value in that, but apparently they don't. Do you think Frank Vogel wanted to get fired? I think that he probably midway through the season, he was thinking, you know what, if you're going to make the move, how about doing it right now? The whole, that, that whole thing was a mess and he was easy to blame. I still say they blame Trevor Reza first. Cause remember he got cut before they think the second to last came to it, really went Trevor Reza, then Frank Vogel. And how about the comments by Russell Westbrook? I couldn't believe that he said that, where he brings up a story about, I left him a bottle of champagne, but I don't really know what the issue was. I don't know why he didn't like me. It's got nothing to do with you personally. You just weren't as good as you once were. And also, 
you play it all the time. He would he play 77, 78 games. Yeah. He started every game. I, I thought that was unfair, Russell Westbrook, to say he had an issue with me. I don't think he had an issue with you. They were just trying to figure out how you can best be effective because you're just not as good as you once were. Yeah, I think he's delusional, and, and he should take some blame there when he said, oh, you yep. know, I wasn't able to be myself. Well, you got more opportunities than anybody on that roster right. to, to play. And, you know, is being yourself – you know, missing jumpers, I mean, turnovers, all of those things. And they probably are stuck with him. I'm, I'm, if, if LeBron likes Russell Westbrook, does he only like him for one year or is he going to like him for two years? Yeah, and, and the one thing that Westbrook has going for them, I should say the Lakers have going for him, he does have an expiring contract, which could potentially make him easier to trade. I know Mark Stein had a story out there about potentially maybe uh, the Charlotte Hornets with Gordon Hayward's contract. We know that Jordan and Russell Westbrook do have a relationship. So if you're getting him on a, you know, just for one year, hmm. you could kind of make that work. But I, I think for Westbrook also, it probably frustrated him. I think all, and this happens to a lot of guys when they, uh, native New Yorkers who play in New York, they all think it's going to be a storybook type of of Hollywood ending and a lot of times it doesn't work out like that he goes to LA it's the worst experience of his career Dan he's getting booed for the first time he's not playing well he's on one of the worst teams that he's ever played for and he took a lot of the blame which was a little over the top as well because we're going to criticize guys for not playing at least Russell Westbrook didn't bail out on the team and say oh, I got a sore knee I can't play in the games but it just wasn't good enough. And the, the star players, you want to hold them to a high standard and he just didn't meet that standard. Yeah I've always said that about Westbrook he plays hard Sometimes yep. his mind and his body aren't synced up. And, uh, yep. you know, then, then you have some bad moments there. Also, if you look at this job, how desirable coaching the Lakers is now with AD, uh, Westbrook, LeBron going into season 20, you got to deal with the front office here. Um, how enticing is this job? Are you going to get top end people? And would you at least place a call to Phil Jackson? I'm sure Jeannie Buss already has. I had heard that trying to get guys on a two-year deal, which kind of lines up with LeBron. So maybe when LeBron is done, they, they would probably go in a different direction. There's only 30 of those jobs. It is the Lakers. But to your point, I looked it up today. You know, they've only won over 37 games three times in 10 years. So it really has been kind of a dysfunctional losing situation. The one outlier was the year they went to the bubble and they won the kind of summer league bubble championship with LeBron James. Otherwise, it really has it's it's been a poor organization the last 10 years and that's the thing. You could blame as many coaches as you want. You also have to look at the front office and ownership and no offense to Jeannie Buss, it really hasn't worked out the last 10 years. I get it. You did get the one championship. But for the most part, it's been a losing situation, and there's been a lot of dysfunction there. Yeah, when you haven't made the playoffs in seven of the last nine years, this isn't on Frank Vogel or Russell Westbrook. Right. It's on something a little bit larger, more systemic. We're talking to Frank Isola. He, uh, of course, is around the Nets, and uh, you're the Nets studio host. Um, ben Simmons, any chance as the Nets progress in the playoffs that he could play? I guess I, you know, I don't know what can you realistically expect from him. And the last time we saw him playing a game that was June 20th, and that was, you know, the last game of Philadelphia couldn't make free throws. He was 15 of 45 from the free throw line in that series. So now after not playing with the Australian national team, not playing any preseason games, regular season game, playing tournament game, you might miss games one and two of this series. You're just going to walk into a playoff series in high-pressure situations. What's, is he going to be in the game in the fourth quarter? And what's going to happen when you get – when they're in the penalty? How If you're Ime Adoka, if it's the Celtics that he does play against, how do you not foul the guy? Send him to the free throw line. 
That's been a big thing. His confidence, the last time we saw him play, his confidence was shot. And there was a story out there somewhere where somebody said, oh, his confidence is sky high. How would we know that? How are you gauging that? He hasn't played a basketball game since last June 20th. And the last time we saw him play, A, he wouldn't shoot. And when he was at the free throw line, he couldn't make a free throw. And I wonder about this, that in other sports, you know, baseball, you've had guys who can't throw the ball back to the pitcher. You've had pitchers who can't throw the ball over the plate. You have Steve Sachs or Chuck Knobloch right. who can't throw it from second to first. You know, we look at that and we go, okay, golfers. Uh, Kevin Na would get at the top of his swing and he didn't know how to get back down to the ball. Um, yips, you know, guys who were putting. Now, you know, we don't factor that in with basketball players, that they get to the free throw line. And they have, they freeze up. They don't know how to do something. It feels like that's been left unexplored, whereas we've seen a lot more instances, or at least we've unearthed those in golf and baseball. Why is that? No, I, I think that's a great call. And I also think how many times have we seen guys, they'll show them in warm-ups or they'll show them on the practice court and they're knocking down free throws. Giannis was like that. If you remember yeah. uh, last year, and then, of course, he figured his whole situation out during the playoffs, which was pretty extraordinary the way that he did that. But I, th I think that's a very fair point. I think maybe you feel isolated out there at the free throw line. And to your point, you kind of get the yips and you cannot make free throws. And, you know, Shaq was a guy that was a poor free throw shooter. I remember the day that he got um, when it was announced he was going to the Hall of Fame and they asked him about free throw shooting and about shooting underhand. He said, I'd rather miss all of them than shoot them underhand. But he also used to bring up the point, he, they didn't really lose big games because he missed free throws. But you could kind of relate a lot of the free throws that Ben Simmons missed last year against Atlanta to them blowing that game, you know, game five where they had the big lead and then obviously game seven when they had a big lead. Mason Plumley is right-handed. He's shooting free throws left-handed. Yeah. If you go from right-handed to left-handed, Frank, go all the way to underhand. I agree. Right? You have a better chance of making underhand free throws. And it, you can't say, well, I don't want to be embarrassed. No, you're already embarrassed. You make less than 40% of your free throws. Yeah. Well, what you need to do is why don't you get Rick Barry on and oh, all you have to do God. is ask him about it and then sit back and he'll go on for about 15, <laughs> 20 minutes. And he's going to tell you how he would solve it. Oh, I know. No, he's going to solve everybody. I mean, Rick Barry is a piece of work. You know how long he'll go on for. But there is something to be said for that. And it's also a vanity thing. I don't want to be the guy that everyone's making fun of shooting free throws. But yet nobody makes fun of you if you make them, Frank. I agree. I don't I don't get it. And it's a big and you're losing games because of it. That That's the thing that gets you. Uh, I was surprised with the Nets and the Cavaliers that you had a near perfect game by Kyrie and a unbelievable game with Durant, but you had to hold on against the Cavaliers yeah. at home. Um, how does that bode for them playing against the Celtics? Yeah, and the big thing with Steve Nash, and Steve Nash, two-time MVP, great offensive player. When he played for Phoenix, all everybody talked about was offense, never defense. All Steve talks about with the Nets is defense, how they need to get better. One of their last games of the season – they played the Houston Rockets. They gave up a ton of points. Their final game against Indiana, where you would have needed, you know, a, a scorebook to figure out who these guys were. They put up 126 on the Brooklyn Nets. Defense is an issue with them. Now, Cleveland did cut away. I think it was either five or six. It was never a one possession game of the final three quarters, but they had a 22 point lead. Yeah. And Cleveland got back into it. It's an issue. And if Cleveland had had Jared Allen, 
that could have been a much different story. The Nets very easily could be playing tomorrow night just to get into the playoffs. Offensively, there's nothing to worry about with the Nets. Kevin Durant is at a different level. He makes the right play every single time. Both he and Kyrie were double-digit assists. They combined for 23 assists in that game. You don't have to worry about that team offensively. The big thing is going to be defense, which we were just talking about Ben Simmons offensively. He would help them defensively. Great to talk to you, as always. Thank Good. you, Frank. Good seeing you, Dan. Take care. That's Frank Isola. Uh, Commissioner Silver will be on the uh, program tomorrow. You know, I got a question for the commissioner tomorrow. I would hope. Well, no, I got one question that oh. nobody is thinking about right now. You know what? Let me has. I'll keep. But let me bring back Frank here. Frank, I have one. I have one question here for uh, the commissioner. I got a few questions about you know load management, but I'm going to ask you. You play the role of uh, Commissioner Silver. Good. Why is it we allow players to carry the ball? Is, is there an infraction of carrying the ball? Can that be called in today's NBA? Why do we allow that when, you know, Iverson and Stockton, you know, we would call carrying on them? And I think early in the season, it does get called. And then it seems like as the season goes on, they call it less and less. And every once in a while, out of nowhere, it comes out. Ask him this. What if we changed if to win postseason awards, you had to play in a minimum amount of games, Ooh. whether it's 68 or 70. And how about this, too? Scoring title, all that stuff. Make it total. No one talks about who led the NFL in average touchdown passes per game. It's total. So Trey Young led the league in total points, total assists. Maybe guys on a second out of a back-to-back would just play the second half it's not going to affect your average, but it'll help your totals. Let's go to totals since guys are playing high 50s, low 60s. That's well, also, you, you could put a minimum to make the first and second and third team all NBA. And, and money That's, factors into yeah. that now with all NBA. So make it I, – I agree. Put, put that on there. So incentivize the players to play in more of the games. And also, no positions. Give me the five I best agree. players on first team, five best players, five best players. Rudy Gobert, good player. He's not one of the top 15 players in the NBA. Yeah. And then, yeah. you're, you know, they, they benefit. You know, how many great centers have there been? Now, maybe a few more now, but um, I, I just think five best players. It might be and, five guards, but they're five best players. And, and remember when that first came up and a bunch of the centers said, well, that's not fair because now nobody's going to vote a center. Well, the top, the guys that are probably going to finish one, two, and three in the MVP vote this year are Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. All big men. Giannis more of a four or five. But to your point, you know, there are going to be some years where the the five best players are guards, some years where they're small forwards. This year, three of the best players in the league are all big men. Thank you, Frank. And thanks for playing the role of commissioner. (laughs) Commissioner Silver. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR, or stream us live on the Peacock app. I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. This is where real conversations happen. Listen to the Rice or Wrong Pod. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is 
still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Seaton, poll question from the first two hours. Well, Dan, we've actually run with a bunch of them here. Uh, And if you remember, we were doing Soft or Smart. Okay. So if we go back to the first hour, we did uh, polling Clayton Kershaw was more soft or smart. Right now, 70% of the audience calling it soft. Okay. We have... Sitting Zion Williamson whilst allowing him to dunk pregame is more smart or soft. Do you want to guess how that's going? Uh, I, 
I don't know. 88% say it's soft. Okay. <laughs> um, not playing Ben Simmons is more smart or soft. I have no idea. That would be 63% soft. Okay. We've got a little bit of a uh, trend going here. I got one more for you. Okay. Uh, Baker Mayfield's interview was more <laughs> smart or soft. That also 72% of the audience calling that soft. All right. Uh, let me get a couple of phone calls. Uh, people have been on hold talking about uh, Clayton Kershaw for uh, most of the uh, show so far that he was pulled after seven innings with a perfect game. By the way, this is uh, what Clayton Kershaw had to say after being pulled in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew going in that my pitch count wasn't going to be 100, let alone, you know, 90 or whatever. So it's a hard thing to do, to have to come out of a game when you're doing that. But like I said, we're here to win, and that uh, this was the right choice. All right, prior to that start, the last one was October 1st, and he left with a, a forearm discomfort, and uh, that was the same injury that kept him on the injured list from uh, July 4th uh, through September the 12th. George in Alabama. Hi, George. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. Hey. So uh, I, I umpired in Little League for about 20 years. And I think what we're seeing in baseball nowadays is a combination of a lot of strain put on the arms at the smallest level of competition. So you have these guys now that are more throwers than pitchers. But they're learning to throw a curveball before their arm is fully developed. They're not properly getting their arm warmed up before they go throw 75, 80 pitches at 11 and 12 years old. Also, they're playing more games now than some, you know, colleges and, you know, minor league teams. They're playing every weekend from February to November in these travel ball tournaments. Some kids, I remember, I was like, I would guesstimate they're throwing anywhere from 200 to 300 pitches in a week, you know, which is just astronomical for a nine or 10 year old kid. And I think that's, you know, what we're seeing nowadays because travel ball is so popular. We are seeing these guys' arms that are just dead by the time they get to the major leagues. Well, and they also, the philosophy, thank you, George, is throw as hard as you can for as long as you can, then get Tommy John surgery. Johnny Bench actually batted against Tommy John, the Hall of Famer, former Cincinnati Reds catcher, joining us on this topic. Uh, Johnny, what role would you have played? Let's say you got somebody throwing a perfect game and you being the catcher, you go out to the mound. Could you have done anything to keep your pitcher? Could you have done anything to keep Clayton Kershaw in the game? Well, I think, first of all, Dan, it's early in the season. I think we look back at Johan Santana. And that basically ended his career. So, I mean, what's all the big deal about the fact that he got a perfect game? We're in the second week of baseball, and the fact that this guy has to pitch in the September, October, I think is more important than all of this. And, and the tr arm trouble he's had, the back trouble he's had, you know he's going to extend the effort in the eighth and ninth inning. If he gets through the eighth, he's going to go out and try to throw harder and smarter in the ninth inning. He's going to try to snap off the curveball, hard slider, everything else. All he needs is one tweak. There goes the down. He's out for a month. I think it's just way too smart for us, for them to not take him out. I think it was just the right choice. And by the way, hi, Dan. Hi, buddy. Uh, you're, I thought you would go old school on me, you know, that no. you got to be a no, no. tough guy and, you know, make history. You got a chance for a perfect game. You're the king of analytics and saying how many pitches we've thrown no. and how many numbers of rotation <laughs> that it was. We have now the rotation period of it and how many times the spinning 
was going on. Uh, nine for a good curveball, 11 for a really good curveball, and a great curveball would be 13 rotations. So if we got the rotation level down, and we know that now it's down at 11 a quarter and down from 11 and a half, which is a very important statistic, I think, in our lives. <laughs> Where's my bobblehead? I keep looking. Uh, where, yeah. where is, has got it probably on his desk. I think fritzy has yeah. got it back there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got your bobblehead. <laughs> um, you never uh, caught a perfect game. You caught no hitter? Oh, sure. Bring that up again. I mean, here we go with that. I didn't call a perfect game. I did call a no hitter. I caught a no hitter. Jim Maloney, as good a right hander as ever pitched in the game. Nobody will ever bring that up, but he was. Was that he against was Houston? Happy. It was, and then they turned around, and Don Wilson, Don Wilson. won the next night. Very good. <laughs> Do you, yeah, you might have been at the game. Uh, I was at the Ken Holtzman game. Oh, thanks. How about Rick Wise? I was at that game. Runs. He had two home runs, <laughs> he and he threw a no-hitter runs. against the Reds. Um, <laughs> and they didn't want to take him out because of his bat. They wanted to keep him <laughs> in for his bat. <laughs> but, you know, we get caught up in the pitch count now. But Kershaw is a pitcher. There are a lot of throwers. And throwers, I understand pitch count. With a pitcher, it's a little bit different. And I agree with you. It's in Minnesota. It's his first start since last October. And although I wonder, if they had been in Los Angeles, Johnny, 40,000, 45,000, sunny weather, 75 degrees, think Dave Roberts reconsiders leaving them in. He might. He might. But I, I think he's too valuable to that organization right now. Yeah. I mean, they lost Scherzer to the Mets. They did a couple of things. They've had you know, where their Bueller's sound and everything else. We know Urias and all the people and everything else. They got a great pitching staff, but you're not going to you you can you can't win it in the first two weeks of the season. And the fact that you need you need Clayton back there, I know it was probably a disappointing thing for him. He is the competitor that we know that he probably wanted to stay, and he probably you know uh, you know he said, "Hey, I, I want to stay in." And it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I just can't take a, an arm and a money that they're paying him, and they're going to take him out at the first twinge anyway. But I just, you know, but when Johan Santana's name came up and and Bobby's sitting here telling me, hey, Johan Santana's career was ended yeah. because he tried to pitch the perfect game. But you look back, and what was it about those pitchers that you grew up facing that they pitched, they completed games? They didn't have arm troubles like these guys do now. Why is that? We know more. We know more. We've got MRIs that tell you, and we've got trainers. We've got 14 trainers with 13 coaches. We've got everybody that will tell you that we may have a little strand missing here in the muscle thing, and the fiber may have gone down and everything else. Jim Maloney threw a no-hitter in Chicago, 10-inning no-hitter. He threw 187 pitches. Well, he walked 10, hit one, but that's <laughs> beside the point. But 187 pitches, Nolan Ryan, everything else. You know, it, it's now the mentality. We've got it. We've, we've got there's there's somebody with a some kind of electronic thing that will tell you that if he throws more than this, he is going to be, you know, more prone to injuries. We're being more prone. It's like you if you talked on the radio for eight hours, would you have your vocal cords and where they do it? And then would Fritzy take you out of the chair? I mean, you know, give him a break. I could have a word count. I'd be on a word count, Johnny. Yeah, but you don't even go soft or safe or strong, whatever that was. I don't know what that soft thing was, but it was, <laughs> they were softball questions to begin with. But uh, Do we need to go with uh, electronics to hide the signs now in baseball? What do you think of uh, the modern technology for catchers? I think it's cool. You know, I've always thought it would be a great idea to have that happen to, 
you know, and of course the chance of getting crossed up is a lot less, but the, I think Bobby brought up a great point was the fact that uh, what happens when the reliever comes in, do you re, you know, do you have to go to, all right, go to, go to code two, go to code three, go to, go to number three. How do we pitch? Cause he's doing different signs, but it's still an inside fastball or a splitter or whatever. I don't know if those things are communicating. I saw uh, something on Sensel the other day that he made a catch and he said, because he had the sensor, he was able to adjust to what the pitch was going to be and get that extra step jump that mm. got him to the ball because he knew with him throwing hard, it was going to be more tendency to hit the right center with the breaking ball than he was going to have to shade towards left. So it was kind of interesting to hear that part of it. And I think that in itself is a pretty good play. And yeah, I think the, you know, sign stealing, nobody's ever going to be safe from it because I've got people with wireless right now trying to get all the signs. I'm trying to do a new technology. <laughs> Uh, what was your reaction to the uh, Reds president, Bob Castellini's comments about, uh, you know, the Reds fans, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, we, we can move the franchise here, uh, you know, away from Cincinnati. Well, I was part of the ownership, a new ownership that wanted to buy the ball club from WJ Williams back in the early eighties. And, uh, we were part of a guy named Avery Smith out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. He owned the Louisville ball club, which was the AAA affiliate of the Reds. And he proposed to buy the Reds. And I was part of that ownership possibility. And W.J. Williams says, well, they'll sell. They'll move it. They'll move it. That's always been the call of everything that's ever been done. Any new ownership, they'll move it. If somebody buys it, they'll move the ta- They'll move the team. They'll move the team. And that's always been the battle cry. Uh, I think, Phil, obviously, there was an article written in the newspaper. There's a couple of billboards up saying, you know, Bob maybe should sell the team and everything else. It's a shame because his passion is second to none for that town and for that ball club, but he hasn't been able to get the winner that he wants or the city wants. And so Phil put his, you know, had a little bit of a, it was a little testy. He didn't like the article that was written. He wanted to protect his dad. He wanted to protect his family. He thinks they're doing a great job. So he came out and then he came back on the radio a couple of times and trying to get that sort of soothed over. But it's, it's just the normal thing that goes on. I mean, we had 43,000 for opening day and, you know, we had a lot of empty seats posing as people yesterday. So, uh, they just, uh, they're, they're trying, obviously when, when they let Winker go, uh, we know that Sonny Gray was fine. I, that, that was okay because we've got some young arms that need a look Lodello, We got green. We've got some people that need that opportunity to pitch and if they're ever going to do it, but you know, you can't sign Castellanos. You can't, you know, Winker was going to be coming up with a big contract. They felt like central could play, uh, in center field and they're somewhat happy with what they've got and they're going to hopefully have to prove it. It's good to talk to you as always, Johnny. Thanks for joining my us. My pleasure. My friend, are you feeling okay? Feeling great. Feeling great. Keep it up. I, I, I right, could friend. probably give you about 82, 83 pitches. Nice. Yeah. Well, somebody's going to have to help me squat. Can I use it? <laughs> 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 they said, are you going to squat today? I'm catching the first pitch of the high school game here today. My boys go to. And they said, are you going to squat? And I said, if I could squat, I'd be making $15 million a year. <laughs> you can't get and back I, up, I, though. <laughs> I know. I was I was thinking about making a comeback, but I pulled a muscle vacuuming the other day, and I'm really set back. So enjoy. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. That's uh, Johnny Bench, Hall of Famer, Reds catcher, uh, 14-time All-Star. Yes, Paul. How great is it that we can just call it Johnny Bench whenever we want? Well, Fritzy, I mean, Fritzy bothers him all the time. I love that guy. So if you would have told me when I was nine years old, Johnny Bench would be like, hey, Johnny Bench. Yeah. I know you love him more than I do. But he's a beloved national sports figure. Yes, Even he is. Even if you weren't a Reds fan. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. That's great. 
you know what happens with the fans is that, you know, they do the math where they go, okay, how much money are you getting from baseball? And how much local revenue do you get? Uh, TV contracts, radio contracts. They, they sort of, you know, they can figure this out. They're not seeing the books, but then they're going, okay, how much profit are the Reds making? 80 million? 100 million? Like, how much do you need to make? And how much can you invest in your team? I think that's what it comes down to. I'd like to know what the Reds are making. What is their profit? And look, they have every right to have a profit as the owners and shareholders. I understand that. But if you're a fan, you just want to know how much money are you going to put in here as opposed to how much are you making? And not everybody's a billionaire. Uh, I don't think that uh, Castellini is a, a billionaire. I think he's uh, probably got a half a billion, something like that. I believe, or at least those are the numbers I saw. But as, you know, as a fan, you just want to know, are you putting money back into the team? And how much are you putting back into the team? And their payroll, they're probably, uh, they're not midway. They're probably in the 20s as far as uh, their payroll compared to other teams. Yeah, Pauline? I, I got to double check this, but I got the Reds around like 17 in the okay. league. Okay, I was going to say, are they 21st in the league in payroll? All right, so they're about halfway there. But, you know, we want to know how much you're making or at least how much you're putting in. You know, the Bengals were for years famously cheap. You know, didn't have an outdoor practice facility. I mean, they were just, they were making money, but you got to reinvest that money too in your product. Because at some point you wake up and you go, wait, fans aren't coming to the ballpark. Yeah, Paulie. I've got all the payrolls for this year and the, the top teams are who you'd expect. The Dodgers, the Mets, the Yankees, the Red Sox. The San Diego Padres had the fifth highest payroll for the 2022 season. Does that feel like a large, big supermarket, like huge? No, but they invested in, you know, Machado. Their, their payroll is $209 yeah. million. That's fifth in the league. Yeah. That's a little surprising. Yeah. Well, how much of that is wrapped up in, in two players? <laughs> wow. The Orioles are $44 million. Wow. That's like, wow. that's $250 million less than the Dodgers. Yeah. And that's a great baseball town. Holy cow. Jeff Bezos has that in his wallet right now. By the way, did you see this story on Elon Musk? He offered to buy Twitter for $41 billion. So he was he rejected a seat on the company's board, but he wanted to buy Twitter for $41 billion. Man. The fact that he's like... A hundred billion dollars richer than Jeff Bezos right now is I know crazy. Would you want to have beers with Elon Musk or Bill Belichick? Ooh. Or you quit drinking. <laughs> Can I quit drinking <laughs> instead? <laughs> um I don't I don't know if I would connect with Elon Musk. I don't know if we would we wouldn't be on the same wavelength. Well, I wouldn't be on the same wavelength with Belichick. I'd quit drinking. But if I had to, I'd go out with Belichick just to see if we're having plural beers and he's got to keep up with me. Then I might get some information on Deflategate and Spygate. Yes, yeah, Seton. Yeah, how many beers in do you ask about why Malcolm Butler didn't play that game? <laughs> I do a sake bomb with him, I think, <laughs> at that point. And then uh, I did a sake bomb the other night. 
that my wife's birthday and uh, I'm with some people and they're like, sake bombs. And I go, I don't think so. And then they're like, Brought out sake. They put the chopsticks uh, up on the on the beer, and you bang the table, and it plops in, and then you fire away. I haven't I haven't done a sake bomb. I don't think in a long, long time. I only had one though. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine to noon Eastern or six to nine Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. The Hawks rolled the Hornets last night. Pelicans beat the Spurs. Zion was warming up, doing 360 dunks, but apparently not playing in the next game. You got uh, New Orleans in Los Angeles coming up on Friday. Atlanta at Cleveland on Friday. And the uh, Hall of Famer, Dominique Wilkins, back on the show. Neek, what did you take away from last night's Hawks performance against the Hornets? Well, I thought our defense was outstanding last night from start to finish. We really put them in uncomfortable situations uh, last night. So I thought from a, a from a defensive standpoint, we really put our stamp on that game. And it really generated a lot of easy offense for us, especially in the second half. Who does Trey Young remind you of? You know, he, he, he he's a special Young man, I mean, you know, he has the court vision like a Pete Maverick who can really uh, get people involved. I mean, unbelievable court vision this kid has and his ability from, to get to A to B as quickly as possible, you know, with either with the three-point shot or the drive, man. So it's hard to say this one guy remind you of, but the first guy that comes to mind is someone like a Pete Maverick who really does a great job at really getting people involved. I mean, he's a wonderful passer. Did you face Maravich? No, I did. I missed Maravich by, I think, one or two years. Um, but I used to, actually, when I was in college, I used to work out with him in the summer. So he helped get me ready for the NBA. What was that like? Oh, it was, man, it was fun. I mean, here's a guy that I had a lot of respect for, and I, and I knew of him, and I met him a few times in Atlanta. And so when I was at Georgia, he used to come down, you know, on the weekends, and we used to work in ball handling skills, shooting, and those sort of things. So we had a really cool relationship. And he was one of the great ball handlers of all time. I know we look at Kyrie now, but Maravich. And then you realize that, you know, that guy was scoring 45 points a game in college. He was before his time. Yeah. Dan, I mean, what he was doing never been done before. And he did it, he averaged that in college, 44 points a game, which is pretty amazing when you sit back and think about it with no three-point line. <laughs> what would you have been like, though, in today's NBA? <laughs> uh, man, you know, I, mean, I come from an era where, you know, it was physical, with bump and grind, and uh, you put your hands on people. And I still was averaging, you know, 28, 29, 30 a game. Uh, I don't know if... I had the freedom of movement where people couldn't put their hands on me. I don't know, but I, I, I believe it would be a lot more than 35 a game. Um, it's because of the freedom that you have, you know, so it's easier to score. Did you have a rivalry with Jordan when it came to scoring? I know there was this slam dunk contest, but did you feel like you were every bit as good, if not better than Jordan? Oh, man, we had plenty of rivalries, plenty of rivalries. You know, Michael, all the guys I played against, probably the most fun guy 
to play against was Michael Jordan, man. Because he, he raised your level of, of play intensity. Wait, and so fun? Had, I've never heard somebody describe playing against Jordan as fun, Nick. It, it was. It was fun. What I mean by that is that I was excited to play against him. So it was fun to go against a great player. Like, of course, the competitive level was a whole different level um, because we were very competitive. We wanted to kick each other's butt. There's no question about that. And so we we had some fierce, fierce um, games that we played against throughout our career. Um, we against one another in our careers. We averaged 30 over 30 a game against each other in our career. And so when I say fun, that's the atmosphere was that's what basketball is about to play against somebody like that. I don't remember you talking when you played. Did Michael talk? I didn't talk much. You know, it's certain times that you talk, you know, Mike might get under your skin. You know, he, he might say a, a, a little bit, of that, but he really, he wasn't a big time trash talking. You didn't have to be, but if he, <laughs> talked, if he talked trash, you know, it was trying to get in your head or somebody he didn't like. So, but other than that, nah, he didn't talk a lot. You remember your first playoff game? Oh, man. My first playoff game. That's so long ago, I, I can't remember. I believe it was probably against, I don't know, Milwaukee. I think it was. But that's been so long ago, and it's hard for me to think that far back. Who, do, who did you – you couldn't wait to face who? Which individual defender? Man, I'd say it, it was a lot of great defenders back then. The no, no, the, are... the guy who wasn't any good. Like, um, I asked George Gervin, I said, Ice, who was the guy that you couldn't wait to play against? He goes, Kevin yeah. Greavy. Kevin Greavy. Um, oh, man, that's good. Because the, the, the guy that I most wanted to play against, from a, from a defensive standpoint, the guy who – I love playing against guys like Kelly Chapuka, you know. You know, it was something something about him, man, that I I couldn't wait to play. (laughs) Well, yeah, didn't he? Did he have the uh, the fro back then, or you know? Yeah, yeah, he did. He had 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 the perm or whatever that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I remember in a playoff game, I I went for fifty in a playoff game. It was one of those games. You know, I hope he's there tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got your first playoff game is against. Boston, 1983. Oh, it was? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a long time ago. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, know. I, w- I wouldn't have guessed Boston, you know, yeah. if I didn't go back and look through the archives, but that was a great Boston team. That was, so that's your first time facing Bird. In, well, in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Because you guys and had you know great what? battles. Yeah. You know, it, uh, it, that was the first time Bird ever talked trash to me. It was my rookie season, my first game I ever played against him. What did he say? And, uh, that was the only thing. Uh, <laughs> I can't even tell you what he said. <laughs> but, clean but it, it was, clean uh, up the language. What? what? You, know, you know, one of the things he, the first thing I think, clearly the only thing he said to me, I'm guarding him. It's my first play. You know, uh, I'm. He's coming down the court, and I'm guarding him. He looks at me. He said, "I don't know why they have you guarding me, Holmes." And he shoots the three. <laughs> now, I wasn't upset he made the three. I said, "But this son of a gun just called me Holmes." <laughs> but, you know, but it was funny because after that, because they, you know, they knew I was going to keep coming. You know, but that was the only time he ever talked to ask me. And then we 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 had a lot of respect for each other over the years. 
And so I never forget that one thing, though, man. I'm like, I was so hot. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, man. But, you know, we talk about that stuff to this day, man. We just sit and laugh about a lot of that stuff. Well, Bird famously wouldn't talk to, I think it's Dan Marley. Um, he would talk to maybe Alton Lister or somebody, and he, he said, I, I, I feel so disrespected that you guys put a white guy on me. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's Larry. That's Larry. <laughs> that's how, that's who he was, man. How was the 75th anniversary party? Oh, man, that was, that was amazing. It was, it was breathtaking. Did you it meet really somebody was. that you had never met before? Yeah, you, yeah, you meet quite a few people that you've never really had a chance to talk to. Um, it, it, it was when you walk into that room and they're taking pictures of, you know, the greatest players, man, the electricity in the room, I mean, the emotions in the room, it, it's hard to explain. And um, it was so many of us that was just in awe of that moment. So that's something that uh, is with you for the rest of your life. Hawks go to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals last year. How deep can they go this year? Well, you know, similar situation. Of course, we were much better situation last year as far as being in the playoffs. Um, but now, you know, we still have an opportunity if we win this next game to get to the eighth spot and have a chance to play this Miami. You know, and I think we match up very, very well against them. So I, I love the Hawks' chances you know, against a team like Miami. But, hey, we got to get by Cleveland. First. Yes, you do. And that's going to be tough because although Cleveland not having Jared Allen, but that's that's a good team. And Darius Garland and Trey Young will be a good matchup. Oh, yeah, it, it, it'll be a great matchup. And, and you're right, that team is so big up front now. Jared Allen plays tomorrow night, which, you know, we hear rumors that may happen. You know, mm. they, they get bigger, you know, because Mobley just came back. So it'll be a tough game, but. Again, you know, we go in and cut down the mistakes, take care of the basketball, and we have a great chance of winning that game. Can you explain why Zion's not playing? Well, I just heard you say he was in the layup line. Uh, Duncan doing 360 seemed like to me you ready to play if you can do all that stuff. But, hey, you know, who knows? Yeah, I just don't understand that, you know, if, if you've, you're not cleared to play, are you cleared to do 360s in warm-up sneak? You know, I, I come from a different era. You know, we was like, hey, if we're healthy enough to walk up and down the court and run, you can play. Yeah. You know, um, for whatever reason, it's not that same mentality. You know, I played with two dislocated fingers and sprung ankle in a temperature of 103. Didn't think once by not playing because that's how much I love the game. And I felt like I owe it to my teammates to be there. That was just my mentality. If I did an over 60 slam dunk competition, mm -hmm. are you the number one seed? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no? You know, hey, I'm going to tell you something, man. I've seen Dr. J and I've seen Kareem, all them guys dunk over 64. You know, when they, before they were dunking the basketball. I might give you one, but you know, the thing is, Going up is easy. <laughs> Coming, Coming down, down is going to kill you. <laughs> That's what Vince Carter told me. He says, I can go up. Yeah. It's just coming down is what hurts. But he still has an advantage. He's a lot younger than all of us. Yeah. So he, he's got a major advantage. That would be interesting if Dr. J would win the slam dunk contest of the over 60. <laughs> hey, look, you know, 
It's 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 quite a few guys who I think could uh could fit in that category. You know that. I, I, get up that. I look at Clyde Drexler. Yeah. You know, he's another guy who's still can throw it down pretty easily. Doc is seventy two. I didn't know Doc was that old. Yeah. You know. He still uh, looks good, like I said, man. That's a few years back. I used to see him. And, and, and he, used to, he told me, he said, I try to do one dunk a year. Every year I try to do a dunk. <laughs> you know? and, he's, and he has. It's pretty amazing. Great to talk to you as always, Neek. And uh, good luck with the Hawks uh, on Friday. Always good to talk to you, Dan. Appreciate you. Thank you, bud. That's yeah. uh, Dominique Wilkins. Always good to talk to you. Human highlight film. One of the great nicknames there. Uh, get a couple of phone calls in here. Uh, Mo in Arizona. Hi, Mo. What's on your mind today? Good morning, Dan. Dan hey, hey Mo. I guess I'm a. I guess I'm an old get off my lawn guy too, because uh, I'm still the same way as you. Only to realize that there's a landscaper and he belongs there, so he's supposed to be on the lawn. Uh, I don't get why Kershaw gets pulled out. Um, how many times have we watched him go through? games where you want him to pull him and he doesn't, you know, in the middle of a big game. It's not a big game. I mean, he's going, he's lights out. I mean, he's won everything. He's won the championship. He's got the MVP, the Cy Young. The only thing he doesn't have is a perfect game. You know, I just think he should have let him in. But before I go, Dan, I got one. I have a new name for Anthony Davis. Okay. It's Pepsid AD. Pepsid AD. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Mo. What did we have? Data Davis, Anthony Data Davis. Data Davis. Yeah, four, four to six. Somebody else uh, wrote in that it should be ATBD. <laughs> Ooh, instead of AD, ATBD. Mm. Fritzy uh, <laughs> could use some Pepsi right now. I really could. Something. Yeah. I'm kind of backed up a little bit yeah. with gas. <laughs> a lot of broccoli. As soon as as soon as we go to commercial break, Fritzy goes right to the bathroom. Because I'm pretty sure it's just one thing as opposed yeah. to another, but you still gotta you know gotta play it safe. Do you have enough energy? Are you in enough uh, too much pain? You can't do your sports center, your mock tees. Oh, I got I got plenty of energy. It's just, oh. it's just it's just kind of you know some uncomfortable. Uh, okay. You know. All right, you ready to do your sports center tees? I am. Okay. All right. Here's Todd battling through uh, whatever you're battling through. Get some gas. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Coming up on SportsCenter, Trey Magnifique. How young in the Hornets stung the Hornets? How young in the Hornets stung the Hornets? They're off to a bad starter. I don't know why I wrote that. <laughs> you want to try it again? Yeah, let's, let's try it again. again. Three, two, one. Oh, Trey Magnifique. How young in the Hawks stung the Hornets? A bridge is too far. Why Miles is feeling down in the mouthpiece. Spurned. San Antonio's out. But how much longer will Zion be? Almost perfect. How a Dodgers own skipper broke up the no-no. Back up just a minute. Aretha Mayfield has something to say to the Browns' front office. The Raiders keeping their car parked for a while on the strip. His name is Luca. He might miss the first Jazz game. <laughs> also, if not now, Ben. Can Simmons suit up soon for Brooklyn? And it's exactly two weeks away. Which NFL teams are rolling the dice with their draft board? And who's taking safe bets? So mock us all you want. Just respect us. It's no gamble. We'll keep you informed. Sports Center next. All right, you rallied there. You rallied there. Yeah, you rallied there. His and you, look, you're playing hurt too. Yeah, it's uh, I'm a little uncomfortable. Yeah, you're a warrior, you know. I see. I left you in. I could have taken you That's out. Right. I appreciate that you let me. Like in the first hour of the show. Yeah, Paulie. Can you imagine like if a major league baseball player came out of the game and said, "I had too much broccoli last yeah, night. I, and I could not finish the nine innings." Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I had flatulence. <laughs> I had to, I had to come out. That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. DNP. 
CD. <laughs> DMP Flinch. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.